Hey there, welcome to Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. I am a, the Director of Sales at Tendo. I'm super excited to have join us here in the locker room, Nick Narrell from Healthy Now. Um, I knew Nick, uh, he's had lots of different um, stops on the healthcare sales and even you know some entrepreneurial um, endeavors uh, since I knew him, but um, always been been super impressed with his work around sales, around digital health and knowledge. Um, so looking forward to having some conversation. Nick, welcome and love to give kind of an intro of yourself, um, you know, not, not from my words, from you. Well, thanks for having me, Josh. Super excited to come on and chat. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been in health tech, digital health, whatever you want to call it now, for about the past five years. Um, first got into it at a telehealth and patient engagement company called MEND. Uh, started out as an SDR who didn't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, uh, and then worked my way up to focused from outbound to inbound, both of those for four months, then was an account executive. And then uh, once COVID dropped, pretty much owned the Eastern half of the country closing business. Um, so spent about two and a half, three years at MEND, everything from closing independent organizations, uh, health systems, couple payers, Moved over to Panda for a little bit, where we did some digital health consulting for health systems. Yep, a little entrepreneurial journey. Started my own company, Haley, where we built a search engine for mental health. Ultimately, built a really cool resource. A lot of people loved it, but it really wasn't the best thing to monetize. Uh, and back in the December of this past year, ended up joining the Healthy team. So I'm now a senior account executive on the Healthy team. Awesome. Well, it's quite a journey and it's lots of different, you know, hot topics, digital health, but mental health, um, and then also too on um, the cool intersection with working kind of, you know, closer with the providers um, there, there with Panda. Um, well, cool, man. Well, we're going to run you through some of our, um, our segments here, but a good place to start is, um, is our bottom, um, bottom 10, top 10. So, uh, the, the idea here, I think is, you know, number one, not take ourselves too seriously, but everybody's got some stories, um, but we'd love for you to share, uh, kind of, you know, in your mind, um, a top 10 and bottom 10 sales story that you have, you know, for us kind of, you know, deal, dealing with whichever company you have. Yeah. So this will go back to when I was working in telehealth. Um, I'm going to tell my bottom 10 because then it can only go up from there. Um, this was this was like in the middle of COVID. And at the time, like I was working with a company where we had zero knowledge base at the time. So like there was no like source of truth for what our product could actually do. It was like stored in everybody's minds. It was constantly changing like every other week with new releases. And so when we were working with like an enterprise client, it was basically like the AEs slacking each other or like every once in a while slacking like our CTO, like, is this how this part of the platform works? And I was working with a FQHC, Federally Qualified Health Center, who I think they had a grant. And that's why they were buying our solution. And I swore our bulk notifications tool worked as you would expect it to with bulk notifications. Like I select a group of patients or a certain segment that were in the platform to send a message blast out to. And that's how I sold it to them. And I had several people at the company tell me, yeah, like that's agreed, that's how it works. But there was like, there was a really specific caveat 
that it's actually not just like you select a group of clients. It was, you had to select a group of clients that had an appointment within a specific time frame. So it was like everybody that has an appointment between January 1st and January 10th, I want to send a message out to them. And like, that really wasn't <laughs> the use case that they were looking for. And so we were, oh man, I remember like, talking with our president, who was like my mentor at the time and going on that implementation call and just being like, yep, yeah, all right, we're doing this kickoff. I'm totally gonna take the responsibility here that I sold this, not how it actually works and fulfill the stereotypical salesperson that doesn't know what they're selling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, like the good thing was we did have a very agile development team and it wasn't like that big of a difference from how the product worked. So like I volunteered like, hey, don't pay me commission on this deal. Like let's build it for how they wanted it to. And they're, like that's what happened. I didn't get paid commission on the deal. I volunteered that up uh, and we did end up building it for them. And it only took, I think like two weeks to get done. Um, but that was definitely like the most stressful week of my life because like, I think I had a planned vacation or something like the day after, like she sent me a message about how it didn't work right. So like the whole vacation, I was just like, man, this is gonna suck when I get back to work. Oh my gosh, yeah, not even be able to join it. Now, when, when was that point? Was there like an aha point? It, was it on that client call or was it prior to that? And you kind of addressed with the client, um, you know, the FQHC before that? So it was post contract signature where we realized the, the other issue was their EHR is, I don't know, I don't know if I want to name them or not, but like I had a lot of issues with that EHR before. Like they had sent out executives um, to another FQHC I was working with, like begging them not to go with us because they had their own in-house solution. Uh, and it was literally like, they were like basically calling out we were going to fail. And I'm like, we already have a ton of integrations with you. Um, and we go through one of your resellers because you won't work with us directly. And so there was an issue with that because they also use that EHR and they use the cloud version, which the company had a lot of control over. So it took us an extra like couple of weeks to actually get access to their EHR instance to start the integration. Um, but it was on that first kickoff call where our customer success manager was like reviewing everything that they were looking for. So it was probably about a week or two weeks into them actually signing the contract and like sending us the money that we found out like this glaring issue that we had to go solve. Well, hey, kudos to you to at least, you know, own up to it and uh, do, do, do right by the client. All right, let's focus on where's the, where, where's the highlight, right? You know, what's, what's one of the one that stands out? Um, there's always one or a couple or, you know, people, um, especially in healthcare, that's been the cool part about it. I think the... The biggest deal I've actually done personally to date was half a million a year for four years, just a pure tech play um, with a health system. And the way that that deal got started actually was when I was at MEND, we were talking to a health system, it was Yale. We didn't sign a deal with them. So like we talked to Yale, what they were looking for wasn't exactly what we had, but there was a project consultant that was working for Yale time and i get a message from this consultant like nine months later hey i'm doing a project with a different health system um 
a little bit smaller than Yale. I think you all would be a better fit for what they are looking for. And from RFP to contract signature for that deal, I think was four months. So four months for like a two plus million dollar total contract value deal was pretty sweet. Um, but that was like a grind. They were on Epic. So it was every, we were doing the app orchard. We were doing Redox integrations. And I think for the last two months, I was on at least one call per day for that deal. And then the second one, and talk about like opposite sales cycles, I went to a user group meeting conference. Well, no, that's wrong. It was actually MatCon, which is the largest conference for behavioral health in the country. And I met a large mental health organization, like their chief administrative officer. And they had about, I want to say it's like 500 total mental health clinicians. And that was March of 2019. Two years later, I closed a deal with them for $135,000 a year for three years. Uh, the, there was a whole year in there of like zero contact. Then they reached out about appointment reminders, which was like one of our like secondary solutions. Like people used it if they were getting something else from us, but no one bought just that from us. And then again, like nine months later, they reached out about telehealth with a consultant that they were working with. And so that deal and the health system deal I just talked about closed in the same month. And so I got my commissions from those deals at the same time. And so I, to this day, I, I bet I will never get another paycheck as large as like that one. <laughs> That's, I mean, and those, those, those are the ones that, uh, that, that, that just stand out. Um, but you know, as, as you, sh you showed, right. Like sometimes it's just preparation, hard work, and then, you know, Hey, being right place, right place, right time. Um, uh, but those, those are usually un unforgettable because I have a couple that, um, you know, even, even looking back now are just like, man, you remember right place, right time, almost more than anything that bad happened, uh, which is good. Um, all right, man, we're switching up some gears too. So Mount Rushmore of sales leaders, what are four that stand out for you? Um, and I guess just, you know, highlight one um, in particular that, that stands out. I'm always interested in, in different people. Yeah, I had to think about this one a lot. And like, I even today typed in like VP of sales on my LinkedIn and filtered the first connections to go through everyone. Um, I first... I think a lot of people are going to know Sam Nelson from Outreach. If you don't, uh, he's had blue hair on his LinkedIn for the longest time, so that might ring a bell. But he's, like a, master, yeah, he's a master at outbound uh, SDRs, building sequences, and so much of like what I've done for outbound. Like I just learned from him, watched his, like he used to do weekly webinars on LinkedIn for it. Um, so he's one great for outbound SDR teams. Um, and then when I was at Panda, you know, we had a digital health marketplace, a lot of digital health solutions, and we had Kyrus as one of our vendors on the marketplace. And Travis Moore is one of their SVPs of sales. And Travis was incredible to work with, super nice guy. The, you could tell the guys, girls below him really respected him. And if you know Kyrus, they kind of dominate like the provider directory space at the big health systems, especially if they're on Cerner because they have that close Cerner partnership. And then um, kind of like transitioning a little bit, um, over the past year working in the mental health space, I got to know a lot of companies in that space. 
and growth therapy, I think is one of the companies that's actually providing services and also treating the clinicians really well, treating clients really well. Roxana Mead became their head of sales within the past six months. Um, and I know the uh, account executives that work under her love her. Uh, and then Don Irwin, I have to give a shout out to my VP when I was at Mend. Um, talk about like an empathetic sales leader. I would go work for him anywhere. Um, and then a, a fifth, I'll just say like whoever's been crushing business development for Epic for the past several decades, like they own the health system world. So I know Judy probably does a lot there, but that Epic team has always crushed it. And it seems like they they they, they move in silence, right? You don't see you, you don't see any. <laughs> You don't see any crazy post or this or that. You probably wouldn't even know, right? The silent assassins that, you know, somehow so, somehow own own the whole market share. No, definitely a great list right there, um, especially some outreach. That's a really good point. I think with LinkedIn nowadays, like people get so obsessed with like what VP of sales or what account executives like throwing like sales guru talk on LinkedIn. But like, honestly, like Epic is one of the most successful health tech organizations and you never see their sales reps or leaders talking about sales advice because they're so busy getting the work done. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Good segue into getting some stuff done. So we do a segment here, MJ versus LeBron, um, you know, the, the, the classic debate. Um, so when we were when we were meeting to think about, you know, what you and I could talk about, uh, I think it'd be good because I think people, especially now, you know, with some layoffs or this, that considering, um, you know, what, what to do next is, um, is startup sales versus, you know, working for a big company. Right. And I'm just interested, um, in your, in your, I, th I think I know where you stand on that, uh, on that spectrum. Right. Um, but I guess first, do you have any strong opinions? Cause I know my, uh, one of my other guests did on MJ versus LeBron. And then secondarily, you know, startup sales, um, versus, versus big company. would love your feedback there. Um, I'm gonna, on MJ versus LeBron, I'm going to have to take a step back because I'm not the biggest NBA fan. Uh, I did go to the university of Akron and St. Vincent, St. Mary's where LeBron went is like literally right there. So he is like a God. If you are in Akron, Ohio, um, from what I've heard, I'm imagining LeBron's probably a little better of a human being. There you go, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm 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 more interested in your 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 startup sales versus versus big company. I think it really depends on someone's personality what they are willing to accept when it comes to like adaptability. A Fortune 500 sales role is probably one going to be like really big deals. Um, and it's really going to be a lot of account management at that point too. Like the business development teams, I feel like are pretty small once you get into companies that big, because they probably own so much of the market if they're already like a multi, multi-billion dollar company. And then the sales is you're growing accounts or you're finding a new account here and there. Most of the revenue you're doing is upselling. Whereas like startup sales is totally like ruthless business development. I've never done the Fortune 500 sales thing, so I'm obviously very biased on my knowledge on the startup sales environment. Uh, you and I were talking before we hit recording about like joining a startup sales team is like you're playing with your personal health and wellness because you never know the leaders you're going to get. You never know like how much of a product market fit you're actually going to have. And 
I know we're going to talk about advice a little bit later, but like I, accepting my role at Healthy, I was probably asking questions that were a thousand times smarter than the questions I asked uh, five years ago. Um, but I think startup sales give you a tremendous opportunity because like, I literally went from a outbound only SDR to I led sales for the eastern half of the country in like 20 months. Like, you mm -hmm. can't do that in a fortune 500 company, you're going to be an SDR for years, or you're going to be an associate or, and the salary trajectory is also probably going to be much slower in a fortune 500 company. Cause you're not going to be climbing titles nearly as fast as you are in a startup environment. And so I think in that startup environment, you are given a lot more opportunity as long as you pick a company that still has that type of growth in front of it to go from, SDR, inbound SDR, associate AE, AE, senior AE, director of business development. You can do that in three years in a startup. Yeah, no, completely agree. Everything you outlined. I mean, I think training's one of the key areas. If you're going to yeah. go, you know, the, the ladder, um, cause you can get trained, but the training at a startup can range from non-existent to maybe there to, you know, changing every day. I think that's number one. Obviously, um, for some people starting off, I was super fortunate. I had a unique opportunity to spend about two years in um, in what was pharma, which, you know, knew I wouldn't want to be in the rest of my life. But um, I got a full-scale training, by the book training, kind of got seasoned reps. And I'm super fortunate for that, right? Because I do think that it's, it's not something you can't, I mean, there's lots of ways you can learn now, but um, I think that's one um, on the on the on the on the bigger company side that's there. And then I think to your point, you have to know or learn about the product, uh, know how to internal stakeholder. I mean, because your your example on your you know kind of disaster sales story can happen if the company doesn't have good um, you know good tracking of what's going on. But also too, if you're new into an industry and you're you're not knowing what integrations are or, um, to ask the right questions, then even you as a sales rep, as good as you are. Um, won't know what you can actually deliver, which is way worse than, you know, than, than, than selling some other things. So I couldn't agree more. You made a good point on the, the training piece, because if you do join like ADP is a great example of a company that's like known for getting salespeople up to speed. And if you then want to go into another really large company, like they see you've worked at ADP for some years, you've gotten training through them, you've progressed there and they see that and they know the ADP brand. And if you're going to look into sales, like think about what you want your career to be like, because if you work like I worked at Mend, nobody outside of the digital health space probably knows what mend is and so that name means nothing on my resume unless i want to go to another health tech company but if i work at adp all the other fortune 500 companies are going to know oh this guy crushed it at a big company at this type of environment he could probably do well here that's a huge difference yeah perfect segue to advice to a rookie sales rep, right? And so, um, you know, I guess framing it a couple of different ways, right? So somebody that's either just starting out or just, I guess, moved into an individual contributor role. Um, and then I guess uh, I always like to try to help people um, because you and I had a unique entry point even into this digital health world. Uh, somebody who's outside looking in to, to, to maybe um, advice to help them um, get into a digital health sales role. Yeah, it, if you are looking at your next role 
and you think it's going to be sales, don't pick a sales role because you think there's going to be money in it. Like pick a sales role because it's in an industry that you think you can love. Like, is that going to be healthcare? Is it going to be selling ed tech? And you're going to love talking to like schools and local governments and stuff. Or like, is it going to be selling cars? And the reason I say this is like, there's so much sales guru talk out there about how to do a pricing call, how to do a great discovery call. But the reason that the people that are really successful in their sales roles isn't because like they just studied sales techniques. They have like mastered and become obsessed with the industry that they're in. Like, I mean, look at you, you're director of sales at Tendo and you're starting a digital health and sales podcast. Like you've gotten into the industry so much where you now have a podcast on the industry. And when you get into whether it's tech sales or uh, you're demoing a solution, the more that you can talk to your prospect, like you're walking through it exactly as they would in their day, the much better the sales process is going to go. So if you're looking to get into sales, pick something where like you could become so obsessed in it, you start a podcast on it, a Substack on it, whatever it is. Um, if you're already in sales, I think the advice that I would give like a young SDR or a early account executive is to don't be afraid to like spend the time just thinking. I think sales is a very hustle culture type of role and, and it gets pushed. Um, but as you get better at sales, you notice that you're almost spending like less time doing demos, especially as deals get bigger. And you're spending more time thinking strategically about like what you need to do to win this deal. Or like you did get the name of the eight people that are going on the demo. And now you're thinking about, you know, how you're going to talk to each of those roles. So don't be afraid to have like blank space on your calendar and like spend time thinking because that could very easily like multiply your close rate, which is you're going to close a ton more. Yeah, no, I, I completely, that resonates with me because I think, and, I, and I'm probably still guilty of it where I'll just get into the mode where I'm like, you know what, something went wrong and let me just blast a bunch of, you know, HubSpot or outreach emails, right? Or let me just go and hit it there. And I think you have to have a healthy balance, right? But I think as I've moved up and, and sold more enterprise, um, you have to be strategic, but also less is more. Um, you know, yeah. not sending that, not sending that follow-up email and waiting, you know, a week until, you know, you, you run a personalized report and you have a resource ad to send, you know, the health system leader that's going to help with he or she's job is more impactful. And um, I, I really like what you said around, I don't think that the guru advice, it's, you know, here's all the sales, you know, sales is easy, but the industry does matter. Right. And I always tell the story of, I used to, I would not have picked myself to be the uh, perfect candidate for sales. Cause when I used to have to go in football and basketball and sell the little coupon cards, dominoes or whatever else door to door. I mean, I would dread that, you know, I would rather, you know, do just about any other chore than, you know, go around selling, you know, door to door. Right. Uh, but here I am, so you know, digital health. <laughs> oh man. Um, I, 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 if, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for my mom, I, I wouldn't have done it. She, she literally drove me, dropped me off in the neighborhood. And whether I did it or not, I still had to be there for three hours. Was that your first ever sales role? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. If you if you call, it, I would have probably got fired. Let's let's just say at my cold call list, I probably you know walked around ninety percent of the time and dialed about you know ten percent of the time, at least for that role. It's funny that that's how you like you kind of got started in sales because my very first sales role, I did door to door B two B energy sales in Ohio, and so I was literally going door to door to biz like fifty businesses a day trying to get them to switch their energy supplier, which is like the worst sale in the world because it's a hundred percent money. You have nothing to sell on. Um, but I feel like that story is like a lot in the sales where like you hear it was, it's either Cutco knives for somebody or something door to door. I hated it so much. I actually switched my major from sales to marketing after that role. Yeah, exactly. And then now, you know, to your point on the industry knowledge, right, is I wouldn't have categorized myself as being super passionate about healthcare, but you know, you start immersing yourself, you see the impact. I think healthcare is powerful in that what you sell, various different iterations of it, um, you can impact the patient. And I've got to experience patient provider for various different products, you be impacted, interact with family providers, caregivers. And, um, you know, now I just have, I was joking with somebody, I just have a abundant knowledge about remote patient monitoring hospital at home that I could tell you at an airport bar, but usually, you know, that's not the liveliest conversation to, to a certain audience. So uh, that's what I'm stuck with. Um, cool, man. Let's, let's switch over. I'm always interested on people's take um, any kind of tech booster. So I guess the question could be any new tech that you've kind of uncovered, um, you know, recently, or, you know, kind of a tech stack that if you were to start your sales team that you couldn't live without, you know, assuming that you had a CRM or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've only ever used one of the tools in this category, but uh, I don't even know what you would call the category, whether it's like sales and call intelligence and stuff, but like the gongs and choruses and all of those, we didn't have any of that at Mend for my first at least two years there. And then we got gong. And I it was like one of the things I said during my interview process at Panda. Like, if we don't have this, I'm bringing this here and we're going to pay for it. Um, and we did. Like, we got it at Panda. Um, we don't have it yet at Healthy. I think we will, hopefully, at some point. Hey, I'm in, um, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I, I never would consider myself the you know, the, the sales tool technology guru, but Gong is game changer. And I think what's interesting, and it's probably the same way with you is I was the first sales hire at Optimize and we actually, you know, had it. Um, so kudos to Jerry and Jeff and the team there. They, they were already innovative in a lot of ways, but um, you know, when I drove by a formist that I, once you, I felt like once you have it, you're like, I can't live without. And there's not many sales tools like that, but um, I think particularly as a growing startup, just the value of being able to train onboard messaging, make sure that product for features. I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're not sponsored by Gong at least yet. We'll, uh, we'll, fi- we'll figure that out. Uh, but I think the, 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 the worst part that I crossed that path is at Bioformis, every single person that came in and we rapidly scaled, rapidly raised 450 million and they heard my voice. There was about a six month period where all the sales call were just my voice, right? So you got to have to just check out that, uh, you know, the, the, the filler words, whatever you're saying. And I got super comfortable. I guess maybe that's why I could start a podcast because I was super comfortable hearing my own voice and hearing gong. And, um, I think particularly as you get bigger and bigger deal sizes, it, uh, it's been instrumental. And, uh, to me, it's a tool that, you know, kind of can make you on the offensive versus 
versus mm. being defensive. I think some things are very reactive. Okay, when somebody clicks on a HubSpot email, let's do this. If then, you know, whereas Gong can help you, particularly if you're you know, kind of a startup, um, accelerate that and, and do some true deal review if that's the way that you use it. Yeah, I think like the training piece, like I hired six SDRs at Mend and like they're literally like first week if they weren't talking to me, like they were watching different calls in Gong. But when you get in, when you're doing so many demos a week and like you're writing your notes down and stuff, but like you always like forget, like somebody said one sentence I know I wanted to respond to or like people weren't on a call. And so you want to send them like a clip of a call and yeah, when you get into the more enterprise deals, being able to like go back and actually like look at everybody's faces when you are in a certain part of the product or being able to go back to all of the questions and make sure like you find the hesitancies in their voice or stuff like that. Um, regularly like recording in Zoom is not good enough for that. Yeah, completely agree. Well, before we get to our last topic and let you highlight some, some of the stuff you're doing at Healthy, um, I thought I'd throw this in there because you have some unique perspectives. So as, as as I mentioned, you know, one of the goals here is kind of connecting that digital health sales and then, you know, some of the other guests that we're going to join and then sometimes join together is are on the healthcare executive provider system side. Um, but you had a unique intersection kind of in your time at Panda. Um, so just interested if like, you know, if, if anything surprised you when you kind of, you know, got into an organization that was working a little bit more on the healthcare provider with the healthcare provider side and um, any, any takeaways there for people listening that are, um, you know, kind of stuck and, and saying, oh, why are they not responding to that email? Why are they not uh, you know, doing X, Y, and Z? Honestly, like I think one of the most surprising things about, working at Panda and advice for like the early salespeople is if you want to get into like the enterprise sales, you're like the big health system world is a networking game. Like it's who's buddy, buddy with who, who knows who. Um, and the industry that you're in is probably a lot smaller than you think, because once you once you get to like the C level, there's only so many CIOs of health systems that do over a billion dollars in net patient revenue. And they're probably half of them are probably friends. Um, so that's that was definitely one thing that I saw at Panda much more than I saw at Mend, where most of our clients were like your FQHCs and independent medical groups. Well, and I think going back to how you evaluate, what are you passionate about? Um, I don't necessarily even think that, yes, if you have connections, that's going to help. But I think what you just outlined, being able to you know, leverage your C-suite at the right time to bring people in is key. Um, you know, developing that authentic network and connections are key. But also too, I think people don't realize that. They say, listen, I've sold into, you know, into health system X, Y, and Z. But if you've worked kind of as a med device, it's not that you can't learn it, but you're used to building a relationship with a provider within, you know, a service line and you really like that relationship and it's kind of a constant long sales cycle that never ends. That's much different than, hey, we have no contract. We're trying to get our technology through the door with the CIO, oh, you know, as, you know, staffing. And, and I think that taking a step back for both the company and for the for, for the person searching those roles, I think sometimes um, you know both people accelerate and don't do a good job of explaining what exactly the goal is, and it could change, right? But I've seen lots of misses on on just doing some of those some of those basics. Um, so love love the perspective there. All right, healthy. 
what is healthy? Um, I'm going to give you, you know, the, 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 the quick, uh, we don't have to be, you know, since, since you're an early guest, I'll be lenient on there, but kind of the, you know, the quick 45 second, one minute shot clock on, um, what is healthy, you know, who do you guys help? And then, um, ultimately if people want to connect with you, um, how, how can you help? So the floor is yours, sir. Awesome. Uh, healthy is a EHR and patient engagement platform that really acts as an infrastructure for a lot of digital health companies or even some like health systems and universities that use us. The great thing about healthy is while yes, we have like an out of the box system that a lot of clients use, we probably have like the best APIs in the industry. And so a lot of the companies that you see they're announcing, they're raising their, you know, series A, B, C, and plus rounds, and they are providing services. It might actually be healthy. That is the technology that they're using for all of their charting, their reminders, their video visits, and everything you would expect an EHR and PM system to do. Um, and I joined them as a senior account executive because I saw a lot of the potential in what they were doing as a tech-only company, focusing on that and building a building in a way that lets companies be really creative with it and not locking them down into, hey, you're stuck with what we have out of the box. Um, our website's just gethealthy.com. It's health with an I-E on the end, not healthy with a Y. Um, and yeah, my email is nick.narrell if you want to reach out straight to me. There you go. Well, super interesting what you guys are doing. And I think it's much needed as um, we're evolving into this digital digital health world and more and more of the companies are themselves. I mean, I remember in my time at, um, at Bioformis, we were, um, you know, transitioning the line is blurred on, you know, being the tech, being tech service and mm -hmm. provider. And, um, I think more options are uh, great for the consumer. Um, but Nick, anything else, um, that, that you have, man, I appreciate you having on, um, followed you, um, everybody go, um, you know, go check out Healthy. Um, and if you have any questions, um, but appreciate you kind of coming into the, 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 the locker room and hopefully it was it was helpful. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It was good, good to chat, get a little nostalgic about the past and talk about where <laughs> things are going. Awesome, man. Well, sounds great. Appreciate the time. Thanks, John.